Hey everyone, welcome to A Plain Accounts Weekly Podcast. I'm Alicia McClintock here with my co-host Benjamin Kramer, and we'll be opening the gospel passages um, this week to see what the Lord might be saying to us as we prepare to preach in kind of a weird and crazy season. Um, while our preaching might not look the way that it normally does, we are still committed to engaging scripture, to preaching boldly, to bringing the word to our people. Ben, are there any thoughts that you have before we dive into our text for this week about the ways that our new circumstances, considering hmm. COVID-19 protocols are shaping how you're bringing the word to your people this week? Yeah, man, it's been, it's been one that's called for creativity and adaptability in such uncertain times. Uh, and honestly, it's just really continued to challenge me of how important it is to keep uh, the least of these, um, uh, the most vulnerable in our society at the forefront of our decisions, um, especially uh, the elderly and, and others in the community that are immunocompromised and things like that. And so um, I've also been really inspired again by how pivotal the lectionary is in uh, my preaching and how timely the passages are without even you know planning for like how does one preach in times like this like oh well here's john 11 and ezekiel you know the the breath over dry bones and so i've been both inspired but also grieving what we've lost in physical um fellowship and gathering but um at least for me my desire is to continue to inspire how God can move even in times of grief and mourning what we've lost and how God uh, will continue to work towards resurrection in these uncertain days. Yeah, there's a verse from our passage today um, where Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Um, and that's been speaking to me this week as I think about what it means to pastor during the time of a global pandemic and the ways I've been seeing God's people be God's people. Yeah. Um, even, even in these um, anxious times um, that people are responding with peace that in, in these moments where others are troubled by scarcity, we respond with generosity. And anyway, I've been um, really blown away by the goodness of God, mm -hmm. even in, in these moments. Amen. Um, well, we're going to read the text together and then talk about some ways that we're engaging it as preachers. Um, but also, I hope that as our conversation develops, we might speak to some of the, the unique opportunities we might have to bring the word to our people this week, considering altered circumstances. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'll be reading from the NIV today. This is John chapter 11, and we'll read verses 1 through 45. It's a long chunk, um, but I invite you all to listen um, to the whole, to the whole passage. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. 
But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Hmm. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. Mm. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four mm. days. <laughs> then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. With those long, long uh chunks like i did last week it's easy to just keep reading because it just connects with one story to the next <laughs> yeah i mean and i almost feel like like we ought to read the next two verses yeah like many believed in him but also some of them went to the pharisees and told them what jesus had done and then mm -hmm. the chief priests and the pharisees called a meeting of the sanhedrin and they began right to kill jesus right um, 
So, I mean, we talked about this last week that it's like, like John has this very flowing narrative style where it's like one moment really leads into the next. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty hard yeah. to, to splice them apart. For sure. Um, well, before we went live, I think that might be a really good place to start. Before we went live, you were talking about how these things were really sewn uh, together. Um, and I think oftentimes we assume that uh, miracles get this great reception. Although even in this passage, we see that the reception of Christ's raising Lazarus from the dead, um, some believed, some responded positively, but overall, the plot to kill Jesus starts with this great miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead. So can you talk about maybe how Christ is sort of received in these narratives that we've been reading through John? Yeah, as we've been keeping track with the lectionary, it's been mostly um, kind of the these small, I was about to say, I, I don't mean to minimize them. I mean to say like, like we haven't really seen Jesus in the midst of a crowd. We've seen Jesus chatting with Nicodemus. We've seen Jesus healing a man who, who was blind. And mm-hmm. um, we see some of the, like Jesus having a conversation with the woman at the well. We see these like, like individual encounters with Jesus, yeah. which then have ramifications for the community. Um, but they seem kind of quiet in a way. Um, And of of course, there are other stories folded into the Gospel of John, but as I've been keeping track with the lectionary, that's really what's what's stuck with me. And more often than not in these passages, like in the the lectionary passages that we've been studying, um, people come to encounter Jesus and misunderstand what he says or don't quite like get where he's going with things. There's a lot of like... um, confusion or or i don't yeah like inability to really receive what jesus is saying and what jesus is up to um and then we have we have definitely some um some exceptions to that or some like movements of belief and revelation where um a man who was blind can now see um and not only can see but like becomes a disciple um following jesus along the way this woman who encounters jesus and then uh, introduces her whole community to Jesus and her life is turned around. Um, and then in this moment, a man who is dead is now alive again. Um, but in the response to Jesus, it very much feels like these echoes of, of, of John chapter one, um, the true light that gave light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Um, and I, mm. it just feels to me like like that's the kind of through line that John is weaving throughout the whole gospel. Yeah. That Jesus came to the ones who ought to receive and recognize him, and yet he was unrecognized, unreceived, mm. um, invisible even. Um, yeah, those are just some half-baked yeah. Tuesday morning thoughts. No, I like that. Would you say that it's too far then to to jump? Because when I hear that, rejected by his own, oftentimes we villainize the Pharisees and teachers of the law to such an extent that we see them as enemies of God. When scripture points out his own, like God's own people who should have recognized God, um, there's that desire or at least we see that picture from God's heart that he still sees the Pharisees and teachers of the law as his own. Uh, Christ sees that. Um, 
So, I mean, it, it seems like there's this desire that all should be redeemed, that all should be, um, uh, that none should perish, right? Even the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Do you feel like that's a, too big of a leap there in reading into that? No, no, I think, I think this is, yeah, this is very, very much the, the thread that we're connecting between these, these stories about Jesus's encounter with the world that, um, that Jesus desires that all might be saved, mm-hmm. um, that all might know, that all might see truly. Um, but, but we also remember that, that Jesus is um, the suffering servant, the humble savior, isn't ever forcing or, um, or yeah, or co-opting. Mm. Um, Jesus doesn't ever operate without consent. Yeah. Um, and so, so we see Jesus's consistent and persistent invitation to new mm-hmm. life, even in the face of death. Yeah. Um, when, when no one else can see a way, Jesus insists on going mm-hmm. um, and taking this journey to Bethany, for yeah. example, but like in lots of other of our stories or, or moments with Jesus. Um, and even, even when everyone else thinks like this isn't possible or like they're not, they're not with him along the way, um, Jesus, Jesus persistently offers that invitation. Mm-hmm. But there are still lots of folks who, who can't, won't, don't accept it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So what does that, so in reading this, and of course, since you're leading today's episode, I feel like I get to just like grill you with all these questions. So here's another one for you that, you know, no pressure to answer or anything, but uh, in, in, uh, in these, it makes me wonder what you just said, how much our expectations of who God should be and who Christ should be, how the Holy Spirit should operate really shapes our uh, being lifted up or, um, torn down by the works of God in the world. If we expected God to move one way and God moves a different way, um, then we're kind of torn down by that by that work and kind of reject that work as not of God. And we can be tempted to do, do that still today. But it felt like I heard a consistent narrative throughout this passage that like, if you would have been here, my, my brother would not have died. And this idea that death is still like the, the final word over humanity and two that the expectation is that God should be a God that keeps bad things from happening. Um, when it feels like Jesus waiting and not going until Lazarus is dead, there seems to be something at play here about either our expectations or how God responds to tragedy um, in contrast to how we view tragedy or evil happening in the world um and not to throw the problem of evil right at you at a podcast but like what you know what what's how are we supposed to maybe look at that theme in regards to these questions because that seems like a persisting narrative throughout this this passage here today yeah gosh ben thanks for a softball (laughs) tuesday Tuesday morning Yeah, we we should tell us about the problem of evil how how should we solve that this morning (laughs) oh my god um well yeah i i do i feel some of those same tensions Mm -hmm. um like i think i think in this narrative it's in most narratives it's it's a a really um strong pull or strong invitation for me to like identify with the characters who are there and and i feel that this the sense of like 
like our brother is dying and Mm -hmm. we know someone who can heal him, who has healed so many other people. We told him our brother was sick and our brother was dying. We asked him to be here and he wasn't, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Like I feel that. I feel those tensions. I feel that anger. I feel that that frustration, I feel that grief um, that they're that they're all expre- expressing, um, and and Jesus even so is still there mm. and sh- and shows up to be with them, um, and Jesus meets each of these sisters in very different ways, right? Like I I don't know the text doesn't say this. There aren't any stage directions or stage yeah. cues, but this but this is how, but this is how the tone kind of comes to me when I read the text. So. Mm my sake my sanctified imagination yeah um uh martha martha comes like like with a chip on her shoulder with an Mm -hmm. agenda to talk to jesus like if you had been here my brother would not have died like what were you doing catching fish like (laughs) what's more important what's more important than this i told you like you knew it's not that you didn't know you knew i told you like where were you Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that's how that's how I read Martha. Maybe that's a little bit strong, but no, I think that's good. But um, but and then and and then Jesus meets her there, meets her on the road, and like lets her ask her questions, like lets her like like vent it out, lets her um, uh, like invites her even into a theological dialogue where she said where he's able to say like I'm the resurrection and the life um where where she needs to like hash it out it seems and Mary in the in the meantime has like locked herself away and is like weeping nonstop it seems in, mm-hmm. in the passage right and so when when she hears that Jesus is there and that he's asked for her she goes out to meet Jesus and I would just read her tone so differently it seems so resigned so uh, so much more like full of sadness than the kind of anger frustration that I hear from Martha mm-hmm. um, and and I I just hear Mary say like Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Like, yeah. like, uh, and and then it's it's that moment where Jesus doesn't say anything really to her, but he weeps with her. Um, yeah. Wow. And, and meets and meets her in that space. Um. So, yeah. I mean, I, I as as I find myself caught up in this story, and as like the Rolodex in my mind is flipping through all of the grieving families that mm-hmm. I've sat with as a pastor, as right. well as like the grief in my own life and in my own um, like close friends and family. I like I've experienced Jesus to be with us in all those kinds of mm-hmm. ways to create that space for frustration and anger and deep theological questions and and the like lord if you had been here this wouldn't have happened Mm -hmm. um but i've also experienced um god to be to be with us in the morning and in the lament um and and just like the sadness and the grief so i promise i'm not trying to dodge the question about the problem no (laughs) just trying just trying to say that that like as we encounter a world that is that is suffering from this sickness mm. of sin and death, God is with us, in us, and and through us. God is yeah. God is um, among us, even in those times and even in those places. And God mm-hmm. 
God holds that grief, that anger, that um, frustration, that sadness, God holds it all. Yeah. Um, Oh, that's so good. Because I don't hear resurrection shaming from Jesus. Like, oh, oh if you would have just, if you just believe the resurrection, you know, things, this wouldn't be happen. Like he doesn't, he doesn't shame them for this more. Like he mourns with them, weeps with them, and yet still holds this it, tremendous vision of God's power and desire to redeem and resurrect um, in, in the world. And he, just a, a beautiful picture of who our savior is it's not relying on their uh, the lack or abundance of the belief of the people around them. Jesus steps into their world and becomes the source of that belief for them, that provides that vision for them, calls Lazarus out, asks them to unbind Lazarus and take the death clothes off of him as this sort of tangible um, uh, ability to unravel this vision in the world for them. There's no sense of like, uh, you need to, you need to be this far ahead. Otherwise these miracles aren't going to happen. No, let me be the source of your vision, your belief, just like what is mentioned by the detractors in this story. Well, if he could have healed the blind man, couldn't he have stopped this guy from dying? Um, and right. he was the source of the man's sight and he desires to be the site for those of belief in this passage as well. Maybe that's a half-baked thought, but it seems seems to me that it's not. Jesus never starts with a, a con, condemning people for where they are in their exactly. belief or shaming them, but steps into their world and helps to guide them or be the source of their vision, as he was with the man born blind. Yeah. No. I I want to keep I want to keep building on that. I. I know that we are fond of calling our podcast Half-Baked Thoughts yeah. on Tuesday morning, but but I want to like keep following that thread because the the truth is that every person that Jesus like raised to life, whether it's Lazarus or um Jairus's daughter or there there's like several other like resurrection stories told in the gospel but Mm -hmm. every other person that jesus has raised from the dead died again like they were like they were still like they didn't suddenly become unhuman or superhuman or like weird floaty ghost people (laughs) 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 i'm so sorry i don't know what else to say but but they like they they, god was like god's power restored them to life but again they died right jesus in this already but not yet kingdom is not saying like you'll never have to face death ever again but Mm. that death isn't the end of the story in god even through our death perhaps precisely because of and through our death we are brought to new life and renewed power Mm -hmm. um and and a new a new spirit a new creation um, yeah. Wow. Right. That, that, that I, yeah, I mean, again, a half my thought trying, trying to talk about some, like, these are the mysteries of the faith. Yeah. Um, but, but, but really, I think, I think 
the invitation here is to see the way that um, that Jesus is transforming sight and perspective and understanding, um, not the ways that Jesus is promising, like, oh, you don't ever have to die mm-hmm. again. You right. know, because right. that's that's not what's happening. Right. Rather, Jesus is is offering a way of being in the world that sees God's um, abundant life-giving power as the ultimate authority, mm-hmm. as the ultimate force that's moving in the world, and that the entire story of life itself is God moving all yeah. creation to new creation, uh. um, where we may, where we may like dwell forever in the abundant mm-hmm. love and presence of God. Like this, yeah. this is where this is where we're being invited to, and so like in the time being all mm-hmm. of creation groans wrapped in the grave clothes but right. God is doing a work calling us out of that yeah and and we and we live in this weird already here but not yet mm-hmm. reign of god reign of light reign of life yeah in in the world but anyway no, I lost, it, I lost my thread. That's no. I have, I have, that's what I have to say about that. I think you actually tied it to a thread that you made last week too, which I really want to highlight again. Here mm-hmm. is this: what we might call lag time um, is what God would call partnership or co-laboring with. And so we yeah. see this lag time between smearing the mud on the blind man's eyes and sending to the to the pool, even a lag time in how long the conversation is with the woman at the well or Nicodemus, you know, this this working out theology, working out redemption, this work of reversing sin and death in the in the world is what we might feel like a lag time, but God is laboring with us. And we see that happening here as well with waiting to go to Lazarus and his family, uh, this, this beginning, the starting work of reversing the power of death and sin in the world through raising Lazarus. And that would be ultimately um, completed through the cross and Christ's own resurrection. Um, and so I see this kind of working out or, a, or as a title of one of the books I'm reading right now, A Patient Firmament. You know, mm-hmm. that, that this, this brewing up of, of the work of God in the world is the work that we're called to be as a people. When we would prefer immediate results, God is not one who forces us to immediacy. God is not one who coerces us into belief, but wants to labor and partner with us. Um, and so we see that call to patient firmaments in this work of redemption. And so I think that theme you pointed out last week is just so vital here again as well. Yeah, definitely. I like like we definitely see Jesus along the way, along the journey, and the the people who are encountering Jesus working it out, um, sorting it out, and that even um, the calling forth of Lazarus isn't the end. Like he mm. still needs somebody to pull those like grave clothes off right. of him. Like like that they're they're even post resurrection there is work to be done mm-hmm. um and that that's maybe like a preview for our easter season like as we encounter the risen christ uh 
who comes out from the grave that even after that there was work to be done yeah, um, there's continued continued witnessing continued um, response that the that the members of the community who are living and breathing and unbound who are free it is their responsibility mm -hmm. um, to care for and nurture the one who has just come out of the grave um, to pull back the trappings of death and to and to uh, walk with them into this like new life um yeah oh, that's anyway so good. that's one of that's one of the ways the text is calling to me yeah that's so good well so how do we take this all and and lead it into a, a sermon for our people and i i love how the ezekiel text of breathing um into dry bones is is the partner um old testament text for this week uh how do we distill this into a sermon to a culture that is very much looking at a valley of dry bones right now? Um, the, the devastation of this pandemic and uh, there, is, there is this um, kind of, our gaze is forced to acknowledge death whether we want to or not. Um, and so I feel like this is such a timely text for our world today. What are some of the maybe homiletical points or handles should we really contemplate on highlighting this Sunday? Mm. Yeah, gosh, it's so tough. Um, yeah, well, for me, I think the things that, that the text brings to, to my mind are um, an invitation and space to grieve, like wherever you are whatever death you're grieving, whether that's canceled plans um, with loved ones, whether that's like mm. um, uh, <laughs> a, a dark home life while we're in this like sort of stay at home season, whether that's like, like a recent loss of a job or the death of a dream or whatever death you're grieving, there is space to do that. Mm -hmm in front of God and with God, um, yeah. that there, that there aren't any emotions that are too big or too scary for God to hold. Yeah. Um, and I think we see that in the ways that Jesus responds to, um, to, to Mary, to Martha, um, to, to, yeah, to, everyone who's, who's present here in, in the passage, even the disciples too, um, who are, her sorting things out. Um, so I, I would say this passage may be, may be an opportunity to offer an invitation to your people to lament um, whatever it is that they're grieving mm -hmm. and to recognize God is with them in that and that mm -hmm. Jesus responds to them in that. Um, and, and then I would also want to point out the ways that the text the the text this week invites us to see god's persistent life-giving power at work mm -hmm. um and that and that that doesn't erase the space to grieve right, right. either um that that saying saying god's life God's resurrection power is the ultimate authority or the, or the, or the final word in the story doesn't eliminate or kind of squash the space that we need to grieve, mm -hmm. but it reminds us that 
that God is doing something good always, Mm -hmm. even in these spaces of death and dying or that feel like really stinky grave clothes that like that God is in the business of doing this, this resurrection work. Um, And then lastly, I would, I I would say that the, that the church, the community of God, the people of God who live free and unbound, it is Mm -hmm. our responsibility to pay attention to those who are trapped by death and dying among us and, and to continue to be, we're fond of saying, be the hands and feet of Jesus, but be the Jesus who meets people in their grief, wherever they mm-hmm. are and with how, whatever they need, yeah. but also be the community that unties the grave clothes. Oh, so good. Absolutely. That was a little preachy, but no, it's good. It's good. I, I was actually leaning uh, in very similar ways. And I'm so, so thankful for the way that you articulated that. Cause I've, I've heard even, you know, just, just some unhelpful comparisons with, like the plagues of Egypt and COVID-19 and how this is like a picture of God's condemnation towards unbelief or disobedience. Mm -hmm. And that this is sort of God's way of calling um, the world back to God or whatever. And I I just feel like, again, that's, that's shaming lack of belief, which we don't see that, you know, in, in this passage at all. In fact, Christ enters into their grief and mourning and, you know, just thinking even of the plagues of Egypt, the plagues of Egypt were because of a ruler's unyielding heart to not liberate people, to not liberate the oppressed. Um, And God's desire is always to set the captives free, to set the oppressed free. Um, And so our call then in the midst of this valley of dry bones is to pursue, not to, to shame people for their lack of belief or see this as vengeance for lack of belief. God, God is not a petty dictator who cares about um, uh, his, his fragile ego. God, God does not have a fragile ego. Um, God always desires to call, to beckon, to restore, to redeem. And so our desire as the church then should be to meet people in that valley of dry bones, grieve with them and help to guide removing the grave clothes rather than shame them for being in the grave from the first place. Totally, totally. Like if we've learned anything from these encounters with Jesus, we know um, that Jesus is always um, present in love, mm-hmm. present with attentiveness, um, and and present with grace. Um, as it's never as never with shame. Right. I think I I mean I would even this is the sidebar, but I would even argue that that's Jesus's response to the to the Pharisees and the people who want to kill him. He's never shaming them, mm-hmm. um, but holding up a mirror to their actions to say, right. think about who you say that you are and mm-hmm. how you're responding, and yeah. then come be yeah. come come belong to a different way. Be be different. Be yeah. better. Um, yeah. yeah. Any anyway. Um, I, I just was thinking about the ways that so many of us are maybe going to be preaching via mediated communication mm-hmm. in this way. Um, and I do think that this might be an interesting, um, an interesting time and a really phenomenal passage to try um, like some spiritual practices like Lectio Divina with your people to read the scripture a couple of times together as folks are maybe tuning in. Um, 
to to watch online yeah, or whatever. So um, I've uh, I've been deeply formed by Ignatian spiritual practices, and there's um there's a spiritual practice called the Ignatian imagination um, or spiritual imagination where uh, where as the story is read you you try to channel all your five senses and say like what mm. what does this sound like what does this feel like where am I in the story with which character or place or moment am I most identifying and then what might God be trying to say to me through that um, but yeah while while we're stepping away from maybe some traditional sermon moments we might be able to respond um in some really creative ways to engaging scripture with our people oh, so good. Um, and so I'd, I'd maybe encourage that think of think about ways that like as a family you might um yeah work work through some of these themes together mm-hmm. um yeah any thoughts about that about oh, like that's health, so good i mean too? i think it's it's hard when we're looking at a valley of dry bones, it's it's easy to let our imagination be limited by just what we see, uh, rather than what you, you pointed out, the ongoing work of God in the world. And so how can we let our imagination um, run, you know, run with creativity in the midst of this landscape that we have right now? How can we use our streaming resources well, um, you know, and what's, I'm sure you know better than even I do, but like as a, as a pastor of a small church, we ran hard into the brick wall of not having technological resources to reach our people. So we don't have a streaming camera. I use my cell phone, you know, on Sunday mornings to, to stream things. So like even in the midst of lack though, how can we be creative in leading um, and like tons of elderly who don't even have computers and things like that. So how, how are we able to reach folks through these ancient practices with modern technology? It's, it's really a call for the church to be adaptable in this time and place. Um, and so I think those practices are just so good uh, to be able to, to help people through that. Yeah. Totally. We would also welcome all y'all who are listening. Um, we would love some feedback about how you're bringing the word to your people. Though we might not be able to gather physically, we are a people who are gathered around word and sacrament. And Amen. so we would love to hear how you're engaging scripture in this time and the ways that you're pastoring your people through a pandemic. It's yeah. um, new for all of us, um, I would imagine. <laughs> so we would be grateful to hear the creative ways that you as the church locally embodied in your context are responding to Mm. the needs in your community and are bringing the scripture faithfully Um, we're praying for you uh, knowing that you are bringing the word preaching boldly um, and being people of peace among your neighborhood your city Um, so blessings to you from us Please follow us on all the social medias. Um, Now more than ever, we would really be grateful for your feedback and for for your conversations. You can find us on Facebook um, and uh, and on our website, of course. Um, We'd be grateful for your comments, for your feedback, for your questions. I would love to engage with you in a digital space. Mm -hmm. Amen.